In therapy, radically genuine is reached when one is being truly authentic, communicating freely and openly as equals. The Radically Genuine podcast strives to do just that. We will question areas of mental health, culture, societal norms, and what is truly needed to improve the lives of others. Dr. Roger McFillin is a clinical psychologist and board certified in behavioral and cognitive psychology. He is the executive director of the Center for Integrated Behavioral Health in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We are recording this on Sunday, September 11th, a day that is marked in our nation's history as one where we must stand together to protect our freedom. In the state of California, AB 2098 sits on the desk of Governor Newsom for veto or signature into law. This law would put physicians at risk of losing their medical license who engage in the dissemination of COVID-19 misinformation or disinformation. On today's podcast, we debate truths and the role of the scientific method. Kelly. Yes. What does the scientific method mean to you? Scientific method is when you have an idea that you think might work. So you have to gather data. You have to gather information. And so you go through the process of experimentation. And you experiment, you gather the data, you get results. Mm -hmm. And then you see if there is a positive negative correlation. And then, of course, there's all these data points, which I'm way above Mm -hmm. my intelligence level. If there is, without a doubt, a certainty that the experiment works over and over and over and over again, you put that out there to the public. How would you apply that to the medical community? In what way? Be more, be more specific. It's early in the morning. It is early in the morning. But, um, you know, the scientific method, the way I would interpret it in the medical community is um, it's crowdsourced. Right, You have a lot of professionals that often try different, uh, different ways um, to solve a problem. And when positive results are, um, are recognized, then it's shared with the community and kind of tested again and tested again. So, um, I, Roger, what, what do you think about the scientific process? How, over the years... Maybe you have some some experience or some knowledge, some historical knowledge about the scientific process. Sure. Well, first of all, it is um, it's a method of trying to test out mm-hmm. hypotheses that we develop. So I think first and foremost, it starts with an idea, and then you develop hypotheses around that idea, and you create an experiment and gather data, information, or observation to try to draw some kind of conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important thing about uh, the scientific process is you're trying to um, falsify your idea. So you actually want to prove your idea wrong. And, and that's because of human bias. And we know that in uh, with human bias that we're going to want our ideas to, to turn out in a way that most benefits us. So if I believe I have this innovative treatment for cancer cells mm-hmm. my whole life purpose and my career is going to be 
about getting a positive result of that study. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine putting potentially decades in a lab into that work. And so you have to create experiments that do the best to protect against human biases. Mm -hmm. And that's randomized clinical control trials with, um, you know, placebo uh, groups blinded, you know, all those things are there to protect the welfare of the experiment. And even if you do get a, a specific result, you have to make sure that result is um, not related to some other variable that yep. wasn't accounted for. Yep. And then the scientific method is a process. It's evolving process. Totally. Replication. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, somebody's going to create another experiment under another conditions with other variables. And over time, that's when you draw closer to conclusions or development of scientific facts. But it requires time and it requires a process. Yeah, and I think the vital component of that is when somebody does test something, it could be a small group of doctors. And one important step in that process is to report conclusions, put it out there, so that others in the medical community could then try and replicate to confirm the accuracy of the conclusions that were previously stated or to say, you know what, we're getting different results. We need to take a look at this further. That is what is really leads to progress, right? Sure. Ultimately, when you push something out there, you have all these other people trying to replicate those results. And if they all get the same thing, you're like, ah, we figured this out. Let's start moving forward. So let's say there is an, uh, a conclusion and the scientific community is absolutely ecstatic about this mm -hmm. and everyone's in agreement and then somebody finally replicates the experiment and finds that, hold on, hold the brakes, I found something. Mm -hmm. And now that entire idea, you know, you have to shift. Can, you talked about bias, can that one doctor or perhaps multiple doctors that found the opposition to the conclusion, does that get out into the public? Does that get out into the medical community? I think it has to, right? Yes. Because the one thing that we know about the scientific process and method is that often it can take years or decades. So imagine a system where researchers do not publish null results. So meaning when your experiment does not yield a, a result. So the, the cancer drug that was developed does not... Uh, decrease the severity or target the cancer cells in the way that was predicted. And now that's, that's the system that we're currently working on mm -hmm. under. It is this, this pressure in academic communities and medical settings. And so with the competition around publish or perish or the competition to get your, your work published as a way of being able to enhance your career, those null results don't get published nearly as much. And scientific process is an attitude. And the scientist is one who, in my opinion, strives for a, uh, a search for truth. It is that unyielding search for trying to figure out something. So automatically, I become skeptical when somebody is presenting information in a short amount of time as quote unquote science mm -hmm. 
and is defensive about the process, is defensive about allowing the natural course of debate Mm -hmm. because that's not a scientist. A scientist is somebody who's going to welcome that discussion, that debate as part of the process in search for truth. The scientist is going to be open to skepticism because the scientist is skeptical. The scientist is somebody who's going to present an attitude of continued exploration, almost like somebody who wanted to explore space. What is next? What is beyond that frontier? What are we missing? You have another idea? I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. What is the other side? Because that's only going to advance my quest for the search for truth. So are you familiar with what's happening in California right now? There is a a bill, AB2098, introduced by a Democratic Assembly member, Evan Lowe. Um, He represents the Silicon Valley area. And this AB2098 is a bill that basically is going to be putting restrictions on physicians in the medical community in California around the spreading of information regarding to uh, SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus, or or COVID-19. And as I read it, I had concerns about limiting progress. Um, And I, I wanted to start off this conversation basically, you know, about the scientific method and, and going back to, you know, my time in in California, I've been, been out here now for a year and a half, but so much has changed in just a short amount of time that how on earth can anyone in the state of California determine what the truth to be when the truth has evolved so much in such a short period of time, these type of restrictions to me are, are troubling. Um, and I want to have an open conversation about this. It, it's frightening. Absolutely scary. So let's repeat what this bill means. If it's signed into law, Gavin Newsom has not signed it into law yet. Yeah, he's probably got another week or two before he, he decides whether or not. And I think what's more scary is he hasn't He hasn't made a public position on this because this bill, this designates that the dissemination of what a bureaucrat, a governmental uh, appointed individual on a board, right? This bill designates the dissemination of misinformation or disinformation related to the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus as unprofessional conduct and your license could be taken away. So to clarify, if I am doing experimentation on anything dealing with COVID-19 as a doctor, as a scientist, Mm -hmm. and I live in California, and I found something um, that was pretty groundbreaking, but goes against what is currently being stated in the media there, and I try to present those findings, I try to publish those findings, you're telling me I can lose my... My, my license. So this is, it's very vague and I read the bill. Anybody can read it in less than two minutes. It's very short. So the, um, they define disinformation as, um, misinformation that the licensee deliberately disseminated with malicious intent or an intent to mislead. 
So we have the state is going to determine intent. And the assumption is that there's already established scientific fact that is, quote unquote, accurate information. Correct. And so therefore, if someone presents information outside the established narrative, they can designate that as misinformation or disinformation. Yes. Because if I I believe the intent of this bill was that many people did not get vaccinated because of the information that was coming out prevented people from from getting the vaccination. There is no vaccination. Well, let, we can go back in time and we can have this conversation about, you know, we don't what has to... evolved over over the last 2 years. But anyway, the false true, false right? information that is contradicted by contemporary scientific contrary to the standard of care. That I don't know what that means really because everything kept on changing every three months new information was coming out so who's going to be responsible for communicating out to the medical community what the current truth so is? so is this specific to vaccinations this is this is anything regarded to so sars covid 2 coronavirus or covid 19 so they started anything. when they first came out they said this will work and it will prevent everything. Well, that's the vaccine. Yeah, okay, I'm just the saying. Vaccine, so when yeah. that would, so that was a scientific community saying this will work. Media was in. That's, then about then yeah. about six months Hold later. Up. Yeah, let's be careful though. Okay. When the gov- when your lo- when your government or the media states something that the that they believe the scientific community has established as fact, that wasn't true then. It's not true now. Right. So your your information is being filtered through the state. Yeah. Okay. So language is really important. And it's very important that we use the right language. Scientific community. Who's the scientific community? Right? Who gets to state that? Anthony Fauci got to represent the entire scientific community. And anyone who was going to openly debate him was going to be censored. And they were. You know, they were censored on, on Google. They were censored on major platforms. And now we have really good evidence that the federal government of the United States intervened in private companies like Facebook and Twitter to deplatform individuals who provided information that was outside of the narrative. These are facts. Look it up. They're facts. And there's lawsuits against the federal government underway. Correct. Alex Berenson is, is, is one of them who was... Um, Replatformed back onto onto Twitter, and he was provided very clear information that the federal government, Andy Slavic was one of them, intervened to try to get him off of these platforms because he was providing what they believed to be misinformation. Now, before we started this podcast, fellas, it was only a couple months. Well, this was published only a couple months into the coronavirus. What did I have you read before we started this podcast? Oh, the Great Reset. The Great COVID-19 Reset, published by... World Economic Forum. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that that came out, what, a good year before we started the podcast? Yeah, I mean, it it was published a a few weeks into the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And there were a number of things that were frightening to me about how that was outlined, right? One of it was um, a, a, a belief that 
vaccinations, the development of vaccinations were absolutely necessary to almost prevent the destruction of the world, right? The spread of disease. And the word vaccination is a powerful word for anyone who was currently living in the world. We have learned that the word vaccination means something. Okay, so language means something. What does the word vaccination mean to you guys? Well, we've said this before, vaccination, probably a top three invention throughout the course of history has saved lives. And when you take vaccination, it prevents you from getting a, a disease. Same. Um, for a period of time, uh, a vaccination protects you from a disease. And over the course of your life, you'll require some additional like boosters like you get for hep A and tetanus, things like that. Yeah. So we viewed the vaccination and always have as a relatively safe medical intervention that represents advancement in science, right? It's almost like we still think about it. If you provide yourself a small portion of the, uh, the virus, you, you, yeah. you sent out a really cool kind of Canva post regarding stress. Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and, and what was the point of that? Um, that stress is a necessary component in life that your body needs to be exposed to to build up resilience. Yeah, and it's almost like we always viewed vaccinations to be similar. You give yourself a small version of that, that virus and your body is going to naturally respond through antibodies and developing a defense system. Yep. Similar to that in if you are exposed to... To stress in small doses, yeah. you build up a resiliency and a strength. Yeah. And so we've been conditioned to believe that that's what vaccines do. So if you use that language, it means that it will prevent you from developing the condition, which and in turn will, will prevent you from spreading the condition. So not only are you doing something that is in your best health interest, you're doing something in the best health interest of the greater society. So it makes you feel good, right? You're doing the quote unquote right thing. But people don't understand that we've attempted to develop vaccines throughout the 20th century, 21st century, where they're not successful, where that idea has killed people. We're trying to develop a vaccination has increased the likelihood of developing the disease, has created long-term effects. We have tried to develop a, a vaccine for a coronavirus for, what, 150 years? Never been able to do it. So the idea that the science has evolved to develop a vaccine for anything that nature creates is a falsehood. And traditionally, there has been a process in order to determine safety and efficacy, which goes back to the scientific method. And that safety and that efficacy requires long-term evaluation for good reason. Because you can take any type of medical intervention at one given time and for a short period of time not experience any adverse effects until down the line. 
I mean, we've seen this in psychiatric drugs. Mm-hmm. In a three-month, six-month period of time, you might have no visible or observable reactions. And so it is very concerning for me when I read the literature on the COVID-19. It's not, it's not even literature. It's propaganda. It's on this top six to ten pages of Google. They assure everyone of its long-term safety. That's new. And it's a lie because it has yet to be determined the long-term safety. Now, my next point, and I'll let you guys kind of, you know, debate this or ask questions, is this was new technology. mRNA creating that spike protein to the original virus, one that is mutating, has never been adequately studied in a human population. So we're talking about a coronavirus with no history of us ever being able to develop a vaccination for the coronavirus. And we're using new technology on a human population for the first time without long-term study. And they start, they use the word vaccination as if it will prevent you from a, of developing the virus and spreading it. What say you? What I say about the mRNA virus, about the, um, the vaccination can't say anything about it at this point. We don't we don't know enough about it over the, the well, life long well, to determine whether or not it's effective. But or, going back to my point, in in the short amount of time that this has been out there, you know, with a billion billions a billion people, we've seen and we were told when you take it, you won't get it. A few months later, oh yeah, yeah. when you when you take it, it will it will help keep the uh, it will it will keep it lower. In other words, it won't hurt you know it won't hurt you as much if you do get coronavirus to now you need boosters and it basically doesn't work. It's acting as a therapeutic. It's acting as if you're just taking some sort of medication uh, with the hope that maybe if you get COVID-19, you won't go to the hospital. And now it's changing again. So in two short years of this being out, we, we now have seen an incredible change in that when so it shouldn't even be called a vaccine yeah i don't even want to have this conversation just focused on vaccines because i feel like it's a small component of what this bill represents i think this bill represents a complete uh limitation on what physicians can do with their their patients well and there's so much more behind this whole thing is a slippery slope right but but now if if i'm if i'm in california about this bill and i bring up the point hey this isn't working the way it is. That will be deemed disinformation if I have credible conclusions. I went through the scientific process. That means that anyone that says anything at all against it's a violation of free speech, right? It's a violation. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's a violation of the scientific process. So it's personal to me because I speak out against "quote unquote" established science right? Antidepressants, for example, are being handed out like candy in our medical settings, as if it is safe and effective. So it's, that is a, a prime example how information can be promoted in, science, in, in society as scientific fact when it indeed is not. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how many experts we bring on. It doesn't matter how many papers I read. 
the prevailing view in society through media promoted by the pharmaceutical industry's marketing teams is that this is safe and effective. And you bring in what? 90% of doctors? They just believe it to be true. So this is the, this is the direction that I want to go in on this podcast because I think beliefs matter. And you need to be able to analyze and understand what people believe. believe beliefs are powerful. Kelly, did you get the uh, mRNA COVID vaccination? I did. Sean, did you get the COVID mRNA vaccination? Yep. I did not. So there is, right now we can analyze belief systems, right? There was something that, was, that you believed versus something that I believed. You got sick before it was available, right? I got the original strain. Okay. Yeah. But it was still recommended that I get it, right? Based on what? Well, it's not based on anything. <laughs> you getting it wasn't based on anything either. Well, it but was it was based on it, the information that was available at the time. If I would have It was based on the information no, it, that was available at the time. No, it wasn't. Yes, it, why I got it? No, it was based on the information you were told by certain entities at the time. If we if we say there was no established strong scientific data to support it, then you that's your belief. It's based on the information at that time that I was told. Do I want to be skeptical about it? Do I want to challenge it? Do I want to know anything? Nope. It was told to me, so that's what I do. I, so I, there's a belief there. This goes back to our... No, I, that's, I'm going to bring this back to what this discussion is, is that someone's determining what the truth to be. And in the state of California, someone's going to say, this is the established truth. I'm telling you, when you got your vaccination, there was no established truth. There was So don't don't... You don't get to choose truths now. We then, don't get to choose truths. Then, then, you, then you would say there's no truth that exists in the world. No, I'm saying there was no truth there. I've, I look at your, I look at right now, the truth is you're wearing a Honda hat. The truth is you have a t-shirt on. You're wearing glasses. Those are truths. But if you want to say that we've developed a COVID-19 vaccine, even when you took it, and it's safe and effective, it was not a truth. It was marketing. It was propaganda. It wasn't true. How it wasn't you, scientific. How did you know that to be true at that time? That's your opinion, It's right? not my opinion. You just started this off with the scientific process. I, I, I get that. Yeah. So, so who, tell me about the control group that existed. I can't. In, in, the, in the vaccination group. I can't. There wasn't one. Okay. There wasn't it one. It was tested on a population, and then they communicated the results. Yeah, but... The, the, I believe the test subjects were also given the vaccination. There, there, was, there was no randomized. But when did you know that? There was no. Uh, I actually just found out about it maybe a couple of weeks ago yeah, listening exactly. to another podcast. And now it's it, there. That's out there now. They, they never. They, they thought it, See, they, you they could, felt you're too making bad. my point. No, you're, you're bringing information into this argument that is you became aware of in the last 12 months, not two I, years ago. Oh, yeah. I listened to our. I went back and listened to some earlier podcasts. I'm going to say some facts. You're going to talk I'm, going to, I'm going to go facts. You're going to talk about things that you were speculating on that were no. questions that needed to be answered. No, there were facts. Okay, go on. That, um, that the, the disease, the COVID-19 disease, was relatively mild and was not life-threatening unless you were in a certain population group. Yes. And even then... It still was a disease with a very high recovery rate. That was fact number one. 
Hold on. You got to let me finish. I'm just saying facts. Just facts. Okay. That wasn't a fact at the time. Because there was nobody that was breaking down the data to show the age groups and what the... It was over was. a year after COVID. No, it was over a year after COVID-19. That data was, did not exist. That was what people were hypothesizing and ended up being true. That's a lie. No, that is not That's a lie. not true. Go everyone can go back to April, May, June of 2021 when these vaccines were being handed out. We knew at the time, we're talking about the original virus, that the... That the that the disease in itself affected or inflicted a specific population of people, they were more at risk. They were obese, they were sick, and really old. Yeah. The rest of the population, especially if you're young and healthy, it was such a minor risk that there, are, there were physicians at the time, epidemiologists at the time, and they were certainly being censored, who believed the best thing you could do for for society would actually be able to recover from the virus because of what we knew historically about how viruses evolve I, and the importance of developing immunity I'm, naturally. I'm agreeing. And I'm natural immunity, the idea that natural immunity protected people from this virus was kept out of our mainstream narrative. So here, remember when we talked about how people can have conversations and actually influence those? Like, how does Roger have all this information but wasn't effectively communicating it to the people? You decide this is an effective communication. <laughs> it's, tell it's me his tone and you, his delivery. You, you tell me people where- tone out. They just they, they zone out and they're like, all right, he's yelling at people now. I'm stopping to listen. Yeah. As a psychologist, right. where, you, <laughs> where in my life am I yelling at people? Here we go. We're having a podcast where we're having a discussion. Let, let, let me remember. When we talk about ducks versus eagles, <laughs> well, I wanted to when bring that quack, up. Quack, 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 right, right. quack, okay, quack, wait, quack, quack. Here's the hold tone. on, hold on. Here's let me <laughs> let me let me intervene because this is okay. <laughs> when I got it, going back to the information that we knew, you yes. know why I got it. This is Silly's reason. It wasn't even because I thought it would work. You know why I got it? I got it because I I simply was told if you get it, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Because for my job and talking to kids and like seeing that, that was important. Fact, right? right? So, that, so that, that was, I, that's what they told people. I, I was persuaded not because, and this is horrible to say, but I'm saying not because I really truly believed it work. Cause I, I was, I don't, I didn't have enough information on my own. I didn't, I, I know not enough not to just trust blindly what Dr. Fauci says, but it was enough for me to say, if I don't have to wear a mask anymore, because it was to me, that was just a symbol yep. of obedience. Right. I, I, I think, you know, and I just took it. You didn't have to wear a mask listen, anyway. Listen, I know, I know. I get that. And, and so but, your decision was based finish. on obedience. Let me too. finish. Let me finish. I just said that. Let me finish before you start yelling at me. <laughs> I took it. And then for about four weeks over the summer, I was mask free and at my job. I, I, I was like, I was like so happy. Yeah. Because you went to Hershey and guess Park. What I went to Hershey. <laughs> yeah. And guess what happened? Our governor... Or the bureaucrats, yeah. they then sat there and said, unfortunately, this is where the whole narrative changed on the vaccines. Unfortunately, we, we're seeing, quote unquote, breakthrough cases mm -hmm. of COVID-19. And now you have to mask up again. And at that moment, I, I felt defeated. I was like, I should have gone with my gut instinct. I shouldn't have taken it. I, I just, I was, I was angry because that to me is the changing narrative of this particular scientific experiment yeah but there, there were other things that were facts sean so wait, i want to go back also because um i got it for the same reason i was not fearful 
I just, I was told I would not, if I was exposed, I wouldn't infect others. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I just saw that as my personal responsibility. Like, yeah, And but, I wasn't but, persuaded by fear of the, of Joe Biden getting on camera no. saying this is going to be the winner of death. That never bothered me, but I just want, I didn't want to wear a mask. So I opened up that conversation. I wanted to understand beliefs and Sean, you just shared one. Um, I did what I was told, right? I didn't I was, do what I was told. I was told I you just said it. I did. I did. Everyone just rewind back. I did. I was, what I was told was the truth at the time. Doesn't the scientific method and the scientific process evolve over time? You were not told the truth. How do you know what the truth was? Because the, the scientific process can, you can have a, um, an analyzed data and report a conclusion but then as you observe, it's not truth. but then you observe over time as things evolve, that's not, that was not truth. Then there's a new research area that comes out to be like, hold on, this is no longer holding true. How many studies have you conducted? I don't conduct any studies. You okay. know that. How many studies have you conducted? <laughs> a few. Tell me about them. I'm not going to tell everyone about my, <laughs> uh, my, my published study for the, for the eating disorder group, but, um, th- it's not truth. And there were conflicting, there was conflicting data around the world that demonstrated that this does not, and we do not know if this stops the virus or stops from spreading the virus. There were people all over the world saying that at the time you got it. It didn't mean you, it wasn't true. It just didn't mean it was true. And that's what everyone needs to know. You can't say something is true at one time. It was not true at that time. We did not know. That's why the scientific process and debate is so important. There was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Robert Malone, not tied to any pharmaceutical industry, but hold, he held patents on mRNA technology. And what he communicated was, I'm not saying that this does not have the possibility mm-hmm. of being able to stop the spread of the virus or develop the virus. What I'm saying to you, everybody, is we don't know. This is new technology. We don't know if it's a vaccine yet. We don't know what the long-term consequences are. He also was very clear, and these are facts. They're indisputable. He also stated that we think natural immunity is certainly more effective than anything we're, that's, trying, that's being developed right now. Therefore, if you've already obtained the virus, your reactions or your response to this virus can create lasting protection. He also stated getting that COVID vaccine, once you've already been infected with the virus, could create significant adverse consequences, but yet they were mandating this technology in colleges with young people. They were mandating it in businesses. And so I, be- I believe different than, than the two of you. I believe you have a responsibility to question authority. I think there's nothing that is more dangerous than blind obedience. And history reflects on on that. And we were in and still are in a very dangerous time in in American culture, specifically, because the state 
everything that the United States, from a constitutional standpoint, was developed to protect the individual against, the state is now taking unprecedented steps to determine what the information is. And if you blindly follow the state recommendation and you take a medical intervention because the state is forcing you to, they're taking away your freedom. It was my personal opinion and it remains my personal opinion that if that is the reason you're doing it, well then you are putting everything we know about our personal freedom at risk. And it was worse because at that time, those who went and did get those medical interventions, if they just accepted, and this is where I'll give Sean credit, okay? Sean did not, uh, at no point did he say, you should go do something. I don't think at any point did Sean say that if you don't get the vaccination, you're harming people. I think he said it was, I'm making a personal decision, which I, I respect. It is your personal right and your decision to do so. You have to make decisions based on that time in your best interest. As long as the choices you make do not interfere with my rights in my body, it doesn't matter to me. We just cannot have revisionist history because this matters moving forward. Because they're going to do this again. We do it in other medical interventions and any pharmaceuticals. Blind trust in the medical authority is, is now over, fellas. And if this hasn't been an awakening for you and everyone else, you will repeat the same mistakes. So um, for all of our listeners, I'm going to include in the show summary, I found a, a good resource. It's a timeline of COVID-19 development. So as the information was unfolding, it's almost a timeline of all the information that comes out. And I, I'm, I'm not going to have that to is, argue about- That is not going to be posted unless, unless myself and Kelly get to approve that you, and fact check that. You can. <laughs> fine. I don't care. Because um, that's a quick Google search you just did. No, it's not. I did it yesterday, you idiot. I had it in front of me. So Name calling. See, he just attacked Name me. Name calling. He, he attacked me thinking I just did a Google search, but I did re research and for because I was asking the question. Who gets to develop the timeline? This is the- What's that uh, from? This is the, uh, hold on, let me, uh, I don't want to lose my tab. It's the um, AG, AJMC, which is uh, uh, about AJMC. Let me look at this. See, you don't this know. It's the American <laughs> Journal of Managed Care. Um, I didn't know what AJMC stands for. I apologize. It's the American Journal of Managed Care. Um, and it, basically, it's a timeline of every single release that was happening over the course of the two years. And you can see December 28th, December 29th, December 30th, December 31st. And it basically just goes talking, through a full timeline. You're talking about release of information? Yes. And that's, that's how I want to bring it back to this misinformation bill is that the scientific process and scientific method evolves as more information comes out. And it's our responsibility to stay personally uh, informed about what the latest information is to ask the right questions when we go into a doctor. And if I were to go into a doctor and if this bill text actually gets signed by, by Newsom, you know, it's not about the doctors. It's not about who is the right information. There are also patient um rights that we all have. And I feel like the patient rights will be violated in this situation. If I have to go into a doctor and I have, if I want to ask him just questions about, you know, benefits, risks, costs associated with any type of treatment regarding this, 
and let's we can go back to the slippery slope of this is regarded COVID. But if this comes into law, who's to say that they just can't take this law and apply it to something else in the future? You can go into a doctor and a doctor's not going to be able to answer any of your questions because they're going to be like, um, my board has not come up with an official. That's already happened. Official. It is happening elsewhere right now in other states. No, since. No, not, not necessarily the law. That, that the state creates a belief of what they state is truth. And then doctors are not allowed to be independent. You want your highly trained physicians to be independent. Yes. If they are fearful of making a statement outside of what the state narrative is, that's not freedom. That is protecting your ass. Right. And that is what 90 to 95% of physicians are still doing. It's about cover my ass. I, even if privately, and I've talked to physicians privately who do not believe that the COVID-19 vaccine is safe or effective. You know what my statement is? Are you telling that to your patients? I'm not allowed to. Now, this goes into uh, the ducks versus the, the eagles conversation. You better uh, explain that build up to the ducks versus the eagles. Yeah. What so, is that story? Well, I, I heard it recently from a, a Dr. Wayne Dwyer I think probably is like 1980s conversation where he was talking about the difference between a duck and an eagle. You know, the, the duck quack, 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 follows the line, sees only what's in front of them, and all their information is kind of, you, know, you almost think of like the, the chicks following, following the duck. So it's like, there's a rule. This is what I've been told. This is what I do. It's the autumn. He's got that voice again. It's the, autumn, <laughs> it's the automatic, like, I can't think for myself. I just follow the rule. Um, fear controls me. Everything about the decisions I'm going to make is just to protect myself right here in this minute. While the eagle is independent, the eagle flies, sees larger pictures, is not fear-driven or fear-controlled, right? Makes decisions based on what they believe. They're confident. And if you're a physician, you want to be able to have the ability to utilize all your training, your investigative skills, your scientific background, to be able to make decisions that are in the best interest of your patients. But we, at, we have to be able to now accept that that's not how the for-profit United States Western medicine idea of medical care has now evolved. It has been industry-influenced of protocols or rules that are reported to be scientific fact, they follow them and that protects them. Here is the protocol. Here is decision. I'm making this on the best available evidence. And we know now, and this is where I think COVID-19 has been an awakening for so many people, right? We now start to consider alternative information outside the mainstream to actually be factual. And we also can recognize a number of things that are really, really important. Not any one person's the same. Biologically, mm -hmm. physically, their genetic makeup. The idea that a medical intervention can be mandated or provided on the entire population and then use words like safe and effective, right? That's just fear conditioning. That exists for every medication that has ever been developed by mankind. And... To, to limit access to information as a physician, as a physician, to be educated and informed about what the latest is out there, you would want to be reading 
what others are saying around the world, what others are trying, because it is that abundance of information that is really the wind beneath your wings. Come on. Oh, Fly higher than an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> you looked at me like I was a poet. <laughs> um, so I, I pulled up a couple of the, um, the, uh, the arguments. Um, just to, to be clear, when it comes to this particular bill, there are those that support it. It's supported by doctor groups, including the California Medical Association, <laughs> the California Chapters of American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American College of Emergency Physicians. So, what does the, that tell you? The, it doesn't tell me anything. It's just like, oh it's, no, it's, it's oh, it tells power. you something. <laughs> quack, 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 quack. <laughs> Kelly, what does it tell you? There's heavy influence on those boards, and the, there's no science behind it. Yeah, at all. yeah the just, associations are politically controlled. Yeah, just like the teachers' union, and also in the state. Oh of my California. gosh, politically <laughs> controlled. So uh, there are some who are opposed. Um, one that I found was groups like A Voice for Choice Advocacy argue that the bill infringes on doctors' free speech and the physicians should be allowed to share their professional opinion without fear of repercussions. I agree with that. Um, here's um, a couple of the arguments that these doctors are making against it. It says doctors go through rigorous education and training and should be allowed to voice their medical and professional opinions freely. I think we can all agree with that. Science and medicine have historically been advanced through minority voices. The stifling of dissenting opinion will have long-lasting effects on the advancement of healthcare. care. Uh, that is the thing that I think is most limiting. They're going to rely on others around the world to do anything and putting limits on what California can do. Uh, the unintended consequences might be that the healthcare provider shortage would be exacerbated by the proposed law. That's what I love about politics is they're often very short-sighted. They think they're solving a problem, but they often create a dozen others because of the unintended consequences because they don't think things through. Hey, I've got the easiest debate against why this can't be passed. It's very simply that if you look back on history at what was believed to be true at one point in time, later in time, turns out to be harmful and even deadly. And so that speaks to that the scientific process is always evolving. Smoking's a great example. Nine out of 10 doctors agree that uh, smoking camels poses no additional risk. You know, this was how industry influenced medical recommendations you know, back in the 40s, cocaine used to be a wonder drug. Um, think about uh, the opioid crisis or fentanyl for weight loss or, you know, anything else that's a heroin, heroin the cure for cough. Uh, they used to c conduct lobotomies as a psychiatric uh, intervention, shock treatments. So, so folks, what's really important is, is that do not accept the narrative. I know, like, I know that for people who are ducks, it's scared to make decisions on your own or to conduct research. But even when you like look back at that time, there were decades of studies on masks prior to uh, coronavirus being developed, and that's why like you looked back and you know before they made the recommendations for masks, you know, Anthony Fauci said on sixty Minutes. He laughed at the idea that wearing a mask was going to stop the spread of a respiratory virus. And then anyone who kind of conducted or knew about the coronavirus knew the particles were not going to be protected by those masks. But yet people did it anyway. 
right? Yeah. It's just the spread of that information to control. It wasn't true six months later, then he got back on and said, if you wear a mask, everything will be okay. I mean, he changed his mind, completely changed his you gotta, mind. You have a good Fauci voice. I know, I, I always like to do that. <laughs> or the um, pandemic of the unvaccinated, right? Now that we're two years away from that, or you know, year and a half away from that, folks, do you see it now? The pandemic of the, they were, they were pitting people against each other. Those who obey versus those who don't. And those who don't obey, you are dangerous. You are extremists. It's happening still right now. You are an extremist and you, are, you pose a dangerous risk to the United States federal, federal government if you resist what we tell you. Yeah, the campaign started very early. Do you remember in the very early days, people putting those where I, I'm, I'm not even sure where they all came from, but they put lawn signs in, stay at home, save lives. And there was a person with a mask like mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that went very quickly in the beginning, but I just. Can I, can I make uh, another point here? As long as you don't yell. Well, I might raise my voice from time <laughs> to time, but he just changed his tone. And but that is, that is passion. And unfortunately, too many people lack passion today, conviction. And this is where Sean um, really misses the point. That his view of human nature is, if you just, you know, lower your voice and speak to somebody um, and communicate, then you can change minds. But research shows that's not true. Um, (laughs) Research shows screaming at somebody and pointing at them makes them more receptive to your message. No, it's not saying that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't scream and yell at anyone unless Sean comes up and says dumb things, then I'm just, <laughs> I can't let that move forward. But the truth of the matter is reason and rationality, they, it went out the window. And when you look at a divided country like this, people aren't really interested in having discussions or debates there. When you think about a duck, a duck is just going to quack, 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 automatically they don't have the ability they're not even going to do the work there's it's fear it's fear driven when you get pushed to two sides and extremes of a group you're just going to repeat what you believe that group is telling you and you create a right or a wrong so the majority of people that is all it is going to be the problem arises when you expect a duck to be an eagle if you expect a duck to be an eagle you're going to be frustrated like i am you're going to be angry you're going to be upset if you accept that that's the way it is, you have to rely on the eagles in society to be able to ask the difficult questions, to stand up, those who are not fear-driven. And they have to have some power and influence in a free society or else we're going to be, we're going to be China. We're going to be the Soviet Union. It's going to be a large, elite-driven global group that controls all messaging and behavior because of what they believe is in the best interest of the world or what they believe is in the best interest of humanity. Not that much different from the Nazi government. They had beliefs. They had beliefs of what was in the best interest of the future of the world. And that was the eradication of people that they would believed were less than. And you have to be careful of that idea. There's reasons we've had certain podcast episodes here. They were very carefully placed out. From social conditioning to um, mass hysteria or mass psychosis. Mass formation psychosis. Mm -hmm. To sociopaths. And all of them were to try to provide information for Sean to evolve. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You brought up China. And I think that's an interesting uh, way to tie it back into how 
this whole thing has unfolded over two years, the, the policies that our country pursued in terms of lockdowns was not based on any um, of our own science. It was the science being reported out of China that what they were doing was being effective to stop the spread of the virus. That's comforting. I know. It is very comforting. Um, I, um, I was thinking back to what happened when I was in California and um, Los Angeles had their, their locks, lockdowns and basically um, had curfews. So um, I pulled up the, the message that went out in April of 2020 and you can basically get fined um, if you were in violation of this. And it says, this order does not prohibit any individual or members of a single household or living unit from engaging in outdoor activities as an individual or household, such as jogging, walking, or biking. This order continues to allow individuals to leave their homes to shop at essential businesses, including grocery stores and restaurants, offering delivery, drive through or carry-out service, so long as persons practice social distancing and wear a cloth face covering while visiting essential businesses. Further, this health officer order continues the closure of all indoor malls and shopping centers, all swap meets and flea markets, all indoor and outdoor playgrounds, beaches, trails, and trailheads, and in-person operations of all non-essential businesses. So they basically found a way to say, you can still work out, you can still be outside, if you've been in Los Angeles, there is zero places for you to go jogging or running or work out if it's not at a playground, beach, trail, or trailheads. So when I got done with work, at the end of the day, I went outside and I was like, I'm going to go for a jog. And I have, um, I'm in close proximity to uh, a park with some stairs. So you lived in the city? I lived in, in the city, okay. yeah. And um, I was close to... Uh, a university that had uh, some hills. So I would go for jogs back there. Went out for a run. And when I went to the entrance, there was police Mm -hmm. parked out front and they shooed me along, told me that the park was closed. I cannot, cannot, you know, go running up the stairs or go running up the trails. So I just started running, of course, on the sidewalks, which are broken and cracked and cars were driving around and you basically you're put in a position where you can't really take care of yourself because they've shut down your access to everything. You go to the beach. Who's they? You mean just the government? The local government. The local government. Yeah. You went to the beach. You were allowed to uh, ride a bike on the trail. You could keep running on the trail. But if you stopped or if you sat down on the beach, you were told to leave. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why do you, why do you think that was in that state? <sighs> Beliefs? Yeah, I... I the whole thing seemed ridiculous at the time. And even the police were like, we're not going to enforce this. Like they, they basically pushed back after a while. They were like, we've got more important things to do. So it even seems more ridiculous now, but what is your belief on why that's happening or why it happened? I mean, it still happens today. You know, they're, they, they have so many more restrictions. I mean, do you think that those, that particular law, because I'm assuming it was a state of emergency that they were in the, they were able to, because there's no law that was passed in the legislature that said you can't go on walking trails. They They use an existing law and modified the language. The question is, I mean, since that is unique, I mean, other states did not do that. You have to ask yourself why. Here's my speculation is um, there are a lot of people in Los Angeles. There's a lot of people in lots of cities. I know. But there are very limited places where you can go. And it was, it was the, it gets hot. So if I were to get, hold on, listen to me. Don't, 
All right, everybody, this is what Roger does. He turned his head sideways. He's making faces right now. It is very hot. So when you have a whole bunch of people go to a beach or a park, they'd be congregating all together. And I think they were trying to prevent that from happening because at the time they didn't know enough about the virus. But you, but you, before you, before you get into it with them, but you, um, you just, that's in your head. You were like, well, in that was, you think that that was rational and that they had your best interest by not allowing you to go outside and enjoy the sun. Not, you know what I mean? Like I'm not attacking my I'm best just, interest. Yeah. Like did as you, an individual, I don't think they're thinking about me. I think they're thinking about, did you about, agree with, did you agree with that decision from that government or that local government at the time? Yes. Okay. Cause they, the way that they laid it out was how many hospitals in the area how many beds that they have and what they were anticipating. And they shared uh, some, some numbers in so, terms of what they were in, what could potentially happen. That is where you and I differ then. And, I, I did not believe that. And they tried to do it around that. And I live in up, you know, I live in a, an, an, a township yeah. and we had plenty of space, but they still tried to close parks. They took down basketball yeah. rims. Um, so people couldn't play. And I just, I was at that point when they started to try to influence us that way around where I live, that's when I started to be like, wait a minute. I put the brakes on. I mean, listen, I was all in first couple of weeks. We were fearful. I have text messages to, mm-hmm. you know, Roger, like, I mean, this, this is legit. Look at this. And then after a while, I'm like, wait a minute. There's, there's some sort of weird concerted effort nationally, locally to try to keep people from doing anything. And I'm like, that doesn't seem, that doesn't sit well with me. And it didn't seem right that that was going to be the way to save. But remember, during the same time, I had to stand outside of a grocery store for an hour to get inside to get like food to bring back to my place with my pregnant wife sitting there. Yeah. So there was so many other factors that were contributing to this. I just wanted it to end. And if somebody said, hey, for the next two weeks, this is I'm like, All right, let's just get done with this. Let's move on. All right. You go Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. And it's and it's really it's not to be offensive. Sean, you're my brother. I love you. But honestly, I believe that belief system is is more dangerous than what the government tried to do. Because if you are, and I hate to keep using this word, but it is a, it is a naivety, that, that the state government in that particular situation in California and some of the ideas that continue to be promoted are, have positive intention or are in your best interest, then that is naivety. Because the reason this was split on, on political lines was the idea around state control versus individual freedom. And there just was not enough information at all that would give the federal government or a state government the right to intervene in that manner. Not only wasn't it scientifically sound, it actually was really problematic, you know, to prevent people from sun exposure, from being outside, because we know that the, the virus wasn't spreading outside, uh, the importance of vitamin D and health, that degree of control, and then just to automatically assume that they care about us, is na- it's naive, because there's nothing historically that suggests with that level of control or intervention, that that was the intention behind it. And that's why it's so important to consider why the founding fathers of this country were brilliant because they were able to see the problems hundreds of years down the line where you give uh, human beings, and it's, a, and it's, it's about human nature, 
you give people who have a natural proclivity to seek out power and control in the first place, goes back to our previous podcasts, to give them the right to make a decision over you. And then to follow in line is what makes that dangerous. So that's why ducks are dangerous because they will follow in line based, they're told, assuming that if I just follow the path, everything is going to be okay. If I follow this rule, if I wear this mask, if I do this, then they're going to give me my freedom back. And look where that has happened in, in history. Look at, I mean, I don't understand why we don't look at what Nazi Germany did to its people in order to condition them to believe what they did or that people who were walking themselves into concentration camp followed the same path. It is a blind trust and it is a blind authority. We're better off as people with radical acceptance. It is, we are not better off as people by assigning positive attention to everybody You cannot assume that just the way you think or feel is the way everyone else thinks or feels. Sean's a genuinely good person. He has limited exposure to the evils of of the world. And he doesn't have real interest in learning anything about that. So he stays in his bubble. He works and acts out of his bubble. And he makes decisions based on his bubble. But when you are either, one, interested in history, two, interested in the psychology of human nature, or three, or exposed to trauma, abuse, neglect, the harms that human beings can do to each other, you do not at any point make those assumptions because those assumptions are dangerous. Your response? Um, yeah, I, I don't have a response because I believe um, you're right. I, haven't, I don't do the work that you do. Nor have I ever sat in a room with somebody who you would consider um, has been exposed to pure evil. Uh, that just hasn't been my experience. So yeah, I think your environment shapes you, and um, and of course I'm I'm aware of history, but I, I don't study sociopathy. I don't I don't think about those things. Nor was I at the time looking at this situation as one that was going to manifest itself into what it became. I thought it was going to be short-lived and then move on. Um, I, I truly did believe that this thing would be over in, in two or three weeks and we'd go on with our lives. And, but that's the whole point of this discussion is that at that time, what was true and who was going to tell doctors what is the truth? Okay, so that segues into my, to me, this is even more nefarious. Now, presently, okay, we talk about the scientific method. We started off with mm-hmm. that. Now we have data and lots of data, lots and lots of data. In this article, it says they're trying through FOIA, trying to get the FDA and other pharmaceutical companies to get the data, the true data. U.S. drug regulators are refusing to provide key analyses of a COVID-19 vaccine safety database, claiming that the factual findings cannot be separated by internal discussions protected by law. That to me right? The laws that are made that protect completely cuts off scientific, the scientific process. Yeah. If you cannot find, so as an individual, let's say, Sean, you're, 
Um, I don't think you're that much of a duck, by the way. Thank you. No, you're welcome. But it's <laughs> the definition. All of right, a duck. all right, all right. I looked it up. His picture but, was there. But let's say, but let's say he, he wants to soar and he wants to become an eagle, and he goes, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually now investigate because that's what you said. You want people. You want our listeners. You want people to just. It, research more, find more. Don't just blindly trust anyone, right? Yes. You have to. Well, guess what? If he wants to go and find those key in th- that key evidence or anything, now our federal government is blocking it's anyone. Al- it's inc- always been that way. Yeah. The, the pharmaceutical industry can protect all their data as a trade secret. That law was made, a, what? I don't remember when that law was made, late 90s, early 2000s. So they do not have to release that data unless it's uh, court-ordered. So an individual like Sean, who then wants to go out and find that, cannot find anything other than what they want you to see. Yes, yes. And and that's why you have to rely upon um, expert debate. So one of, I, I only have a few talents in this world, and I think one of them is to... Scrambled eggs. <laughs> 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 one of one of them is I, I do feel like I have a natural uh, inclination for human empathy and to put myself in the shoes of other people, probably why I became a psychologist. So it's like almost like I can tell through their energy, through everything about their thought process, who's being honest and who's keeping information out, right? Um, and so I want to learn from those people who have high levels of compassion and consciousness um, who are, who are really smart, you know, there, there are really good people out there who care so much about others. And if you're like a Robert Malone who has no financial ties to the pharmaceutical industry and you've dedicated your life to the development of MRNA technology and you've, and studies, and then I find out they take him off the Wikipedia page and then he's censored from major platforms. That's scary as shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I want to hear from that guy. I want to be able to make the decision. I want to hear. I'd love to have a debate between like a Robert Malone and an Anthony Fauci. Of course, that, you know? that should have been that should have been number one. Anthony Fauci was a lifelong government bureaucrat. That's all. All he knew was politics. I'm not gonna call him a scientist. He's a he's a he's a bureaucrat and a politician, and he would go home and they'd put him on every single news channel, and then the state-run media and the talk shows they would be like, trust Anthony Fauci. They do dances and stuff. It was the most insane thing that I've ever come across in my entire life. And I would look around and all the ducks would just quack along, and I didn't know how to live in that world, and I still don't know how to live in that yeah. world. But the importance here is that certain principles need to be held true. Open dialogue, debate, and free speech is a human right. No one can take that away from you. It is a human right. And don't give that stuff up so easily. And you only give that stuff up easily if you're naive and you're blind and you're obedient. And you're going to walk right down into the direction of someone who's a sociopath who wants control. Um, I, I would say at this point, the uh, the bill hasn't been signed, but there are lots of destinations where people can go and, and make their voice heard. Just because this is happening in the state of California, you shouldn't just turn a blind eye to it and say, this doesn't affect me. 
California actually has a, a lot of influence, um, not just when it comes to things like this, but it, it happens in the business world is they push through um, a lot of their requirements. So in order for things to be compliant, to be sold in the state of California, um, everybody who wants to make a good or produce something has to abide by what California's rules are because of the large Massive economy. population. Yeah. I mean, they're they're huge to come up with something unique for California and then sell your good in all other forty nine states around the world. It's just not cost effective. So California recognizes that they have um, a lot of influence. Um, there was one uh, one podcast I was listening to about you know some of the people that have attacked this nation in terms of what their goals are, and the goal has always been to try and break up the fifty states because they feel like to to separate us would make us less powerful and then we would fall apart. No doubt. So when we think about what's happening in one of our states, we as a nation have a responsibility to all voice um, our concerns because of the influence it could have over this nation. So even if you are not in the state of California, even if you are not in the medical community in the state of California, this could have some long lasting effects on you. So everybody needs to actually make their voice heard, especially to Governor, Governor Newsom, um, I'll include some destinations for people. They already have some statements uh, pre-populated, some talking points that anybody can can kind of speak out and make sure that this doesn't get signed. Yeah, because it's when you walk into your doctor's office and they are going to give you some sort of medication and you want to be able to say, well, are there side effects? Will you know, all the questions you're going to ask, you want to make sure that that doctor is not being persuaded by somebody above them not to, not to tell you the truth. And that's what this bill is going to do. It's going to force doctors into only thinking one way. And unfortunately, I just think it's a horrible we're, law. That we we're well along the path to giving up rights and falling into historically where other countries have before us. I think what I've come to the conclusion is that the idea of a, of a completely free United States and what the United States traditionally stand for, stood for. It doesn't mean that the United States is, uh, you know, a, a beacon of, uh, of, of, of freedom for everybody. The United States is a experiment. And in an experiment uh, for the people, by the people. And people are messy. So, so people are racist. People are hurtful. People think about themselves. People commit crimes. So the, but the idea that you believe other people are more virtuous and they are politicians and you give them the power is exactly what has led other countries in the past to develop systems of government that destroyed the individual freedom, right, and economic prosperity of its people and created wars. Those goes, that, that still goes on to today. So as an experiment, the United States form of government is the most prosperous and, and most free system that has ever existed in the history of the world. And there's reasons for it. And the continued prosperity of an individual country like the United States creates problems on a worldwide scale and agenda because other countries who do not follow that might not be as economically prosperous, 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 prosperous. <laughs> Edit that. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, and so, yes, we are being divided. And I agree with Sean. And if you are a, a foreign adversary to the United States, that power that the United States has had from a free economy, from a strong military, and from the ability to create uh, an, an economy that flourishes because everyone has the ability to create and to take risks, which we think gets the best out of human potential, if you destroy that idea, well, then you can implement new ideas, large global agendas, where they try to communicate that we can uh, create a more equitable system, you know, across a, a worldwide scale. But that is certainly coming at, at great risk. Ultimately, we're going to be able to evolve as, as a human race by people who are loving, who are conscious, who believe in freedom, making decisions that are in the best interest of each other, not because a government entity tells us to, but because we know it to be true. And the only way we'll know that stuff to be true is if we have the freedom to be able to continue with the scientific process and research and ideas and to debate and have conversations. It's the only path. Listening to a podcast may be therapeutic, but it is not therapy. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional. If you are in a crisis or you think you have an emergency, call your doctor or 911. If you are considering suicide, call 1-800-273-TALK to speak with a skilled, trained counselor. If you found this podcast interesting, please share it with a friend, subscribe through your podcast app, and engage with us through our social channels. And if you are concerned about a friend or family member, reach out. The six magic words, I was just thinking about you, may make their day. Thank you for listening.